Happy Friday. We are back with another episode of Decoding Crypto. I'm Ed Stott and my old mate, Ben Simpson, Collective Shift CEO, is propped himself up at his desk today, back with another episode in Thailand. How you doing, Ben? I'm good, Ed. I'm battling a bit of uh, influenza. I've copped it. Fair oh, copped it this man. week. But I'm on the back end of it, hopefully on the improve. But nothing will stop me on decoding crypto, so I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Good news. I am very excited about it. And I know you're off on a on a trip tomorrow. It's kind of like when you you, you wanted to come home from sick from school, but the, you knew then you couldn't go to your friend's house after school, so you exactly. had to commit. So That's kind to, of what's going on here. Correct. You have to go to school so you can, you know, play later. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, big news. We are going to wrap up the week's news today because there's been a lot going on this week and we want to have it in like a neat little package for you guys so that you don't have to keep an eye on everything. We're just going to pull out the things you need to know this week. Big news last night, Ben, with Binance Australia. Um, what happened? So, last night, they basically closed a heap of users derivative positions uh, approximately 500 Australians apparently because they weren't actually allowed to be trading those products on Binance Australia so in Australia to trade derivatives which is uh, basically when you can um, you know different different you know financial trading products you have to be a wholesale trader to do so uh, so you basically have to be like an accredited investor you can't be just a retail trader um, so, you know, things like futures and you know, other derivatives products uh, is illegal to do that in Australia. You have to be uh, registered. So somehow Binance uh, have mistaken 500 people for not being actually uh, properly regulated. And at 10 p.m. last night, which I believe is a ridiculous time to do it, because everyone's going to be asleep, just closed everyone's positions. They are offering refunds for those people in those positions, but... It's like it's like betting on a soccer match, and you know you, you might be winning halfway through, but the, the the betting company just cancels your bets and gives you money back. It's like, well, I could have won that, you know what I mean? Like, it's great, you refund my money, but what about the position? It just seems like a big mistake on their half too. Like, if they shouldn't have been allowing people to open these positions, you would have thought that they would have realised that before now. Do you know how long they've been allowing these people to open positions for? No, I mean, it could have been a long time. I don't know. Uh, I guess once Binance realised, they've probably, you know, gone, holy holy crap, I need, we need to enact this really fast because we're going to get in a lot of trouble. Uh, you, you know, you're really not supposed to be... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's illegal, right, to be, to be not compliant with the laws, so... Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild that this happened last night, and that's what actually pushed the market down briefly last night. So the market actually uh, had a bit of a drop momentarily, yeah, bounced back relatively quickly, but that's what pushed the market down. Wow, interesting. I did not realize that. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on what's going on with Binance, and no doubt somebody's in trouble today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Compliance team, big time. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, another story on how people are holding their crypto. So nearly $370 billion in Bitcoin has gone dormant. Ben, to start off, what does it mean if we say that uh, coins have gone dormant? So basically uh, what Glassnode is saying here, one of the leading 
blockchain analysis firms is that uh, the number of Bitcoins that have not moved for at least six months, so what, what they're calling old supply or these dormant Bitcoin, uh, has not moved in six months, which is worth roughly $370 billion, which is a lot because the total market cap of Bitcoin right now is not much more than that. Uh, we're currently sitting at around $461 billion. So it's really fascinating that there's a large percentage of Bitcoin investors that are really focusing on long-term investing and they're primarily holding and, and building more of their portfolio up, which is really good to see. So what do you think this means for the market? This is that, that people are changing perhaps how they're holding Bitcoin. They're holding it for the long term. Is this a good thing for the market? Really, really good because the longer Bitcoins become or stay dormant, the... Uh, the, the more unlikely it is that they are to be spent or sold, if that makes sense. So, yeah, this is really uh, showing signs that the rebound that we've had early in the year is most likely probably showing us that the worst is behind us, so showing that there's a lot of people in the market that are really bullish on Bitcoin and are really happy to hold for the long term now, regardless of where the price is. So, yeah, it is really good for the market. It gives us confidence that hopefully the... Uh, you know, the bottom is in and hopefully up, uh, only up from here. That is really interesting news. And so um, dormant coins, they say, become increasingly unlikely to be spent after a 155-day holding period. Um, so they've said in this report today that this activity has previously been observed in bear markets. So like you're saying, could be really good news, really good news. Very interesting. Um, another one that we've uh, been following closely that we actually haven't t spoken about in a little while, um, which I'm grateful about, Ben, is Sam Bankman-Fried, otherwise known as SBF. So we know he was the boss of the now defunct FTX exchange, which blew up and saw a lot of people lose a lot of money in November last year. But he has now been hit with new criminal charges over political donations. So they've hit him with these charges that allege that he made more than 300 illegal political donations in the US to try and purchase influence over cryptocurrency regulation. This is pretty huge because these obviously his rap sheet is growing. Uh, his new charge sheet alleges Bankman Freed was able to access and steal FTX customer deposits without detection. And uh, this is just, you know, again, damning. I mean, a lot of people suspected that this was the thing, but obviously, until we see these charges coming out, we don't know uh, for certain what the court will deem has happened so it's interesting to see this playing out this is wild like you know over 300 they're, they're claiming more than 300 illegal political donations to try and purchase influence over cryptocurrency regulation in washington dc tens of millions of dollars yeah insane you know he invited uh invited politicians to fancy business conferences in the caribbean donated millions to candidates including president joe biden um, some of those politicians are now giving those donations back. Uh, but yet, yep, pretty standard. The White House has so far avoided commenting on SPF's donations. 
trying to navigate around the mess because no doubt they're probably uh, you know caught up in this in some way, shape, or form as well. So yeah, it just gets uh, gets just worse and worse for old mate SBF. Like man, he uh, he caused a ruckus last year, didn't he? <laughs> he, he absolutely <laughs> caused a ruckus. It is not good. So do you reckon now we're seeing all these criminal charges come down on Sam Bankman-Fried? We're going to see um, a closer eye on the crypto community from places like the SEC and the White House. Yeah, I mean, and we've already seen that over the last few months with our mate Gary Gensler uh, starting to crack down on, you know, Kraken and a few of the other projects and, and companies in the space. So I think we're already seeing that crackdown starting to come from the SEC. And uh, for good or bad reasons, you know, we're starting to get some clarification on what what this space is going to look like in future years. So, yeah, it's still a bit of a watch this space moment, I think. I've got some more bad news for you, Ben, because your favorite uh, store has closed down in New York and Miami. Oh, I can't go anymore. <laughs> Solana Spaces, Solana-themed retail storefronts, have announced the closure of its company-owned and operated stores this week. Um, you know, they are facing facing trouble in this obvious this crypto window as we've seen many companies but they said that they've made the decision to pivot their onboarding efforts to digital products and rather than these physical spaces they launched these physical spaces last year um, and hoped that it would act as a Web3 onboarding space for newcomers where Solana faithfuls could buy their favorite branded merch. And they opened one in Miami too. What do you think about these, um, you know, I suppose the real world spaces for crypto like this, that's like a, a physical space for a digital product. What do you think about this, Ben? Yeah, well, I don't mind the idea. I mean, a lot of people like to learn in real life and mm. can, you know, physically touch and see, you know, what's going on and can actually help them on board them better. But I just think in these market conditions, I mean, to have a physical store in New York's Hudson Yards, Ed, is probably not the cheapest rent going around, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, you know, I, I know of a, one of my mates that runs a business there that has an office that I think he pays somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars a month in rent. Like it would be extraordinary the amount of money they're paying there in New York, in Manhattan. So, look, I, I like the idea of it, but I just think, you know, Solana specific as well. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. I think across the board, it's hard to onboard new people into Web three right now. I'm not seeing a lot of new people, you know kicking the door down to come and learn about these different chains, especially Solana, for example. Like, I just think it's, yeah, tough market conditions to try and grow it in, in person onboarding space. Mm, interesting. And we've also, um, you know, we were speaking about regulation and what's going on in the US before, but top US banking regulators have issued a fresh warning to banks to be on guard for any liquidity risks from cryptocurrency-related clients cautioning some of their deposits could prove volatile so what's got on here ben what what's prompted the regulators to issue these warnings i honestly don't know i mean the the fact that we're probably at you know the least amount of volatility considering where we were last year 
Um, they're basically coming saying out, you know, by recent events, the crypto sector uh, has, you know, highlighted volatility risks. And while they noted, you know, the statement does not include new requirements and banks are not prohibited from pro providing services to particular sectors, uh, they are just urging caution in crypto dealing. So, look, I just think they're, the regulators, again, are just expressing their concerns and, uh, you know, wanting to make sure that the, the banks and institutions offering crypto products are doing the right thing. Uh, I think, again, the regulators... Uh, because again, the other thing as well is more and more banks are, are getting into this space. You know, as as we mentioned on the previous podcast, like over in the US, you know, the likes of Fidelity are now offering um, some Bitcoin and, and you know Ethereum. I think services over there to their clients. So it's becoming more and more uh, adopted across the world. But I think the regulators are just you know making sure that we don't see what happened with FTX happen again. Although FTX was like fraud. What they're just saying, I think, is just making sure that you know you've got enough liquidity and things in the in the in the in the balance sheet or the assets of those banks to make sure you can always repay. Because you know, holding cash as a bank is a lot different holding crypto because it is a lot more volatile than cash, right? So I think it's just making sure that you know they know what they're doing, which I assume they would do anyway because these are banks. But you know, regulators mm. just wanting to make sure they're covering all bases. I think. And they've highlighted these deposits that link to stable coins. Um, as we know, these are those types of cryptocurrency that are pegged to a more stable currency like the US dollar. Um, so most of the major stable coins like Tether and USD are asset backed, meaning that the stable coin issuer holds assets, including banking deposits that can be quickly redeemed to meet these withdrawal requests. So regulators are concerned about the stability of those reserves and that they could cause banks to further examine their relationships with stable coin firms, you know, in case this could cause a bank run. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. I also saw a story about um, Canada their uh, government were making, um, they were refusing to regulate algorithmic backed stable coins. So this increasingly is something that is on government's radars, you know, as we start to navigate how banks and crypto really interact in the real world. And I think potentially from last year, you know, we've seen the real world effects and the damage that can cause when can be caused when um you know the some outfits aren't particularly well re regulated so it's interesting to see how this rolls out now and how different governments are reacting to that yeah and i think there probably needs to be a little bit more clarification on how banks do manage their crypto assets because it's such a you know a nascent new space i think that's what they're still trying to figure out but the you know the benefits of the blockchain is that it's all completely visible transparent and you can see exactly what's going on so you know, in theory, I think it should be much better to be holding stable coins and crypto because it's easier to track. It's uh, it's verifiable. Um, it's immutable. You know what's going on. It's all visible, transparent on the blockchain versus cash and, you know, numbers flying around everywhere on archaic software that they're probably currently using. Like, it'd be much harder. But anyway, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And just one last quick one I wanted to throw at you, Ben. So we have um, Spotify getting on board with NFTs. So they've rolled out a new token-gated playlist pilot to its latest Web3 experiment. So there's a handful of NFT projects involved, including Overlord and Kingship. They let holders from each project test out a unique crypto integration with the streaming platform. So essentially, 
it lets um, members of those particular communities connect to a crypto wallet holding one of the NFTs and access an exclusive Spotify playlist. I, this is, I'm ju it's just like, okay. I don't really understand why this would require an NFT and if this is really going to encourage people to buy an NFT. This doesn't seem like a massive bonus to me being able to listen to a playlist. It's not like it's exclusive mu music. It's got um, bands like Gorillaz and different um, artists who you know, whose songs are already out there to listen to. So it's literally just a playlist. I don't really think this is something that I'd get excited about, Ben. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's groundbreaking what they're doing. I think really, as I've mentioned here, I think it's really just a test to see. Um, I think they're just probably, you know, dipping their toe in the water a little bit to see what the feedback is like mm, in their Web3 space. I mean, I think they're seeing every other... Yeah, and haven't seen every other Web3 or Web2 brand getting into Web3, I think they're probably going, oh, we probably should think about doing something. So, look, I think they'll figure it out. I think they might go down the path of what we saw with uh, Rihanna recently where you can actually own a percentage of those songs. Maybe you can own a percentage of the album or the playlist you get access to. That's where I think it would add a lot more value. Uh, but, yeah, for the time being, I think it's just purely a test. Not something I'm overexcited, overly excited about either. Ed, uh, I don't think we'll be buying this NFT anytime soon. I think I'm just going to type in the song and play it. Keep your um, money and spend it on trips in Thailand, hey? <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep spending it on paracetamol to, uh, to stay awake. <laughs> All right then, Ben. Well, I'll catch you on Monday. Thanks so much for pulling yourself up and wrapping us up the week here with the news. I really enjoyed chatting to you. And if anybody has any questions for us, let us know. Crypto at novapodcast.com.au. We would love to hear from you. All right then, Ben, I'll catch you again Monday. See ya. <laughs>